Now on 94.7 WPVCLP Charlottesville, it's time for the only area radio show devoted exclusively to football. That is to say, soccer. Local MLS, Premier League, and International. It's Blokes on the Bench, and you can reach us at 434-284-9470 or at Facebook.com slash Blokes on the Bench. Now here's your host, Andy Richardson. All right, Charlottesville. Welcome along to another edition of Blokes on the Bench, a very special edition with the World Cup final play today. I'm Andy, alongside me today. I'm Daniel. And that's it. It's just <laughs> us. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just us. It's me and you, man. We're putting a car right to the rest of the <laughs> blokes. <laughs> yeah, that's get, right. Get in the city if you can make it. I know the bloke sign is up in the air if you look over yeah, the Yeah, the Batman. <laughs> um, we got this. We got this. So let's kind of go back a little bit because obviously we had the quarterfinal or the semifinals even during the week. Yes. And I had, they were asking me last week what I thought, who would win the World Cup. And of course I started singing the Coming Home song. Um, <laughs> England. I wanted to ask a pers- you, you a perspective on England, start to start with. So did they overperform or did they just co- come up against really bad teams? I think that, I thought a lot about England uh, since, you know, they've, since they were eliminated right. and the run that they made. I think they took advantage of the draw that they were given. Oh, they played that well. Yeah, you know. I mean, yeah. And and this is where I think, so there's a lot of optimism, obviously, for the future of the English national team. But I will say this, four years is a long time. And this was their shot. Like, this was this was quite possibly the best chance they'll have they would have had to win a World Cup for, you know, well, since '66. Oh yeah, but I mean, for the foreseeable future. I mean, the draw lined up for them. You know, when they went into the quote-unquote easier side of the bracket, and then Spain was eliminated. Uh, you know, they they had that was their shot. That was their shot to make it through. And I think the the truth of the English team was revealed in the Croatia match to a certain degree. They got un- unraveled a bit. Yeah, I mean, that second half. And, and Southgate said it after the match. He said that, you know, they got they got off to a great start, and then he mentioned something about them having difficulty, the lack of experience making it difficult for them to play with a lead in that right. moment. But when you say four years, I mean, this is different from the 1990 team. You know, you had a goalkeeper in Shilton. He was 40 at the time. We got Pickford, who's, what, 20? Yeah, but, yeah, but remember... Joe Hart was the unquestionable English number one goalkeeper three years ago. No one would have thought that uh, Joe I, Hart would have yeah. nosedived. Yeah, and Harry Kane was nowhere. Three right, years how, ago, he was a, just a fan. A right, exactly. And that's no, the thing. So you don't, it's hard to say. Everybody wants to look and say, oh, well, they'll be great in four years. You just don't know. Right. There's no way of well, knowing. So you can only you, deal with the team that you have today. A lot of people are saying that England need a creative midfield. Yeah, I do think that definitely hurts them. They don't, and you saw it in the Croatia. The Croatia match is a perfect example. You know, they took advantage of the set piece, but now, granted, you know, Croatia has Luka Modric running around in midfield. Yeah, did you hear his comments that he said about the England game afterwards? He no. Said, he basically said, kind of, ha, you know, <laughs> s- stick it to the English media who basically said that we were going to be a pushover, going to carpet yeah. to roll over, and we were listening to all these comments at the British press. Uh, were saying and we were like okay well we'll see we'll see tomorrow who the better side is and basically England, the England team should have more uh, 
be more humble. Well, but I always thought they were. He, he, I mean, I didn't see any arrogance in them. No, I didn't either. I, I didn't think they were either. But I think that the criticism of Raheem Sterling is a microcosm of perhaps the challenge that England faces from a football philosophy perspective. Because right. Raheem Sterling was getting, I mean, he has been mercilessly lambasted by English media I, and, and, and him, fans. Though. I will defend I will, Sterling. I, I agree. Because now, granted, I I'm a City supporter, the, but I mean, yes. He, I think he was the sacrificial lamb in that sport. Right. He was playing a little bit out of position. He, I, I actually think a lot of people were saying, well, he wasn't scoring goals, and he was right. Losing, and right. he was. He was being hesitant, and right. like, you saw that. And there's no, un, undoubtedly there was something going on there. However, he was. If you want a player that's going to run, you know, around uh, your defense and cause havoc. Sterling is the person that was doing that. Right. He was doing it. Correct. And he was, I mean, if you watched them play, the way that they had him play is different than the way he plays at City because Southgate let him sort of roam around. You know, Pep makes him a little bit more disciplined, either left or right, usually right. But they, Southgate let him roam around, and he was the only sort of creative force that they had in midfield. Right. And, you know, and people were just killing him for, you know, not finishing and not. But I don't think that Gareth Southgate had him out there to, to finish chances. I mean, right. I don't I mean, now I will agree. You know, there were times when, you know, he should have maybe and didn't. But it's the World Cup. I mean, everybody thought Harry Kane was great. Harry Kane. You can say what you want. He dropped off. He did. He dropped off. Especially in that Croatia. Yeah. Game. I mean, he dropped off. I mean, when they when 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 we got to the knockouts. Harry Kane was not the player he was in the uh, group stage. And, you know, and I mean, nobody wants to talk about that. Everybody's talking about Harry Kane, you know, golden scoring all winner. the, yeah, go, golden boot winner, all that, but all that stuff was stored in the, you got to show up when the, when the matches really, really count. I mean, you can't just play half the tournament. You know, <laughs> right. I mean, you know, the, the, and especially for a team like England, they don't have, they don't have a tremendous amount of margin for error because, you know, the, the games that they were playing, as we saw in all the, the matches that they played, they were really hanging on most of the time, you know, right. and getting... Apart from the Panama game. Right. Was, apart, I mean, you can say what you want Panama, about Panama. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I think that, you know, England, I, it's tough to say that they overperformed. They exceeded expectations, but I think that they performed, when you really examine that team and the draw and everything, I think they performed to the level of the roster, I mean, I really do. I also think, and I was thinking about this on the way, on the way into the studio. Actually, I think there was an interview, and I don't. It was on Talksport on the way here. I don't know who the player, the former player, was they were interviewing, but he's from France. He played for <coughs> Arsenal mm. for a time, and he talked about the difference when he was growing up in academies in France and when he came to the academy at Arsenal. And he was talking about the difference in philosophy and how they raise players in France versus England. And I think one of the, if you look at the rosters, because everybody has been saying, oh, this proves the Premier League is the best league in the world because the, there were more Premier League players in the semifinals than anywhere. And it's like, well, that's true, but only because England, mostly because England was in the final and every player on the English <laughs> roster plays in the Premier League. I think it really hurts England that their talent doesn't play overseas. Right. I, I really have, do. I, but th that has been one of the, the, the two arguments that I've been hearing was 
the first one was well, there's three of them. One of them is the press and the pressure that the press puts on. The yeah, I mean, that's, 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 that's everywhere. Sideline, that's peripheral. Yeah, I mean, um, did you see the Brazil bus being greeted <laughs> yeah, coming yeah, home? I know, throwing eggs. At, I mean, <laughs> pressure is pressure no matter where you play. Right. Um, but the other one was, uh, the, the, I know we were talking about this last week about uh, England players and past teams like Rio Ferdinand and all the rest. Of right. Them, not communicating on the pitch because yes they'd grown up yeah they had but they'd split off into rival clubs and that became bitter it became a problem and they couldn't keep that off the pitch during the England games and so they weren't talking to communicating right Um, and the other point and this has been going back since I remember hearing this in 2006 was England players are all playing in the same league you need people that are playing in like Bundesliga La Liga um, you know spreading themselves out around a bit Mm -hmm. Um, so I do I do think you're correct on that yeah I, I, I I think where what happens is the player there is something to be said for the experience of playing overseas and the experience it gives you in a situation like a Euros or a right. World Cup. I mean there just is. And it doesn't matter if the league was any better, better or worse. Right. Cuz that person then that player has is undoubtedly playing with against players in that league right exactly so yeah yeah so the whole squad kind of knows kind of like how the styles of the different right and, there, and there's something to be said for playing in a situation that there are outside factors there's different culture and there's a discomfort in learning a new place and all these different things that come with going out of your native country in order to play that i do and you know there is there's a philosophical difference for sure in the way that historically most other countries play and the way England has historically played. Now, this English team played some attractive football, you know, at, 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 at many points during the tournament. So it's obviously that it's capable. And again, all the people that want to bang on Pep Guardiola, the foreign managers coming to the Premier League, like Pep Guardiola, like Jose Mourinho, like Antonio Conte, they've clearly had an effect on the way that the English players, Pochettino, I mean, so many of those players are from Spurs, you know, they've clearly had You've an effect. a more European style of playing. Right, yeah, exactly. I mean, you definitely, the, the style of play for the English team has definitely changed and is helping, I think. And also you have an England manager now who, um, well, takes the, the argument out of the way of all the stuff about the manager has to be English, whatever. But right. He's young enough that he wants to be able to change the team. I mean, yes, there was yeah. always his talk. I remember when Shearer and Bart and Scrolls was playing that the players were getting old. They weren't willing to kind of rotate through. That there was there was going to have to be this period of four to eight years of basically a new identity. Right. And and then that was one of the things that the, they were saying in the, the commentary was England, regardless of how they're playing, has a new identity with this team. Yes, and agreed. And I think Southgate agreed. has a big part to play in that. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, from all the reports I've read, the players really love him. They love playing for him. He's more of a player's manager, I guess you would say. He can relate to them, I think, a little bit better than their previous managers have been able to. And especially because this is a young team, you know, the, I mean, players are different now. You know, players, the players of today are not like most of them, the Rio Ferdinands right. of the world. You know, they're not... They'll, they'll get on with everyone else They realize there's pride involved, but also they don't have the baggage. Right, yeah, and they're not... You know, there's not that... I mean, it's, this is just, you know, it's just a, a, a athlete generational thing. It's There's not as many players anymore that you can scream at all the time and still get through to them. I mean, you know, players, <laughs> the psychology is just different. And that's okay. You just need managers that are willing to work within that, you know, work with, within those parameters. And I think Southgate fits that. I mean, <laughs> you know, this was, 
I mean, every England fan I talked to before the World Cup was just poised for disaster. Right, like <laughs> another Germany England game, right? Five or well, four one or whatever. Yeah, I mean, they were every oh, they were so dour, but they were able to turn it around. And I think you know it's promising. It's definitely promising. I right. mean, you know, if if I if I were an England fan, I'd be I'd be encouraged for sure. And right. you just want to see these players continue to develop. I think that you know I don't know that I. Th- like Harry Kane, for example, going to Spain, if he were to go to a place like Madrid, I think it would be great for not only Harry Kane, but for English football you know, and the national team. I think that's one of the things that English players are going to have to realize and the English press is going to have to realize. These, some of these <laughs> players are going to have to go overseas to right. really you know, but develop. That's, but that's the thing. You can, uh, as an England squad, how do you tell a player? I mean, you can't. I mean, What's if, weird. I, if, you're, if you're Sterling playing for City, do so, you do you want to go overseas just because just to get some experience for the well, national squad? Yeah, but what's weird about it is every other country in the world does it. Like every other country in the world says, go out of the country if you need to in order to get time, in order to get development, in order to you know experience, have different experiences. Like every other country does that, except for England. It seems they just the players for whatever reason they don't go to Europe. It's it's the strangest thing, and I'm not English, so I don't know why, but there's definitely something there. I mean, so many of these other players go to other countries on these other teams. I mean, Brazil is one of the best teams in the world. Hardly any of their players stay in Brazil or in well, Brazil. Well, I mean, do, I mean. Uh, now I understand that's a difference in the level of league to a certain degree, but there's also a ma- there's also an amount of the players don't want to go anywhere. Maybe you just need scouts that are not scouting for City, United, Liverpool, but are scouting for the national team uh, in the sort of the Champion League, Championship League, and League One, Two, Three, you know, yeah. divisions, and being going through them, and going, this kid's promising. Why don't we send him overseas? Well, and I, I mean, I think we're starting to see it a little bit with some of the younger players, like. Um, the kid whose name escapes me right now, who was in City's Academy and went to uh, Borussia Dortmund and got time. Uh, I can't remember. I can't think of his name right now. But, um, you know, we're starting to see it, I think, with some of these younger players because they're, especially in the top-tier Premier League teams where they're afraid they're not going to be able to get playing time. Right. Uh, You know, so, which makes sense. So they are starting to go overseas. And it's going to help. I mean, it will. It will help the, it will help the national team. Well, I mean, okay, so let's look in the, the positives for England. Then we do need to move on to obviously. Yeah, we got to get back to the final. The right. Games, yeah. <laughs> um, so, in terms of positives, they got the ghosts out of the closet about, Correct, the, yep, about the, 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 the penalties. The penalties, All yep. young squad. They made it deep into the tournament. Yep. So, in four years' time, yep. th- that most of the players should still be on that squad. They should, yeah. Barring injury or just yeah, dropping form. Right. Um, so, I think it's all positive. And also, just want to point out, that uh, sales and waistcoats from Marks and Spencers for uh, <laughs> Gareth Southgate. He did look pretty dashing in he that. He did. I agree. I was like, I, hey, I want to get online and maybe order myself. I am, I'm a, a, chubby guy, I I am a big fan of managers who wear suits right. on the sideline. Like that, I, I really, I like that. Guys, you know, that, you, that you, wear your suits. Because your manager prep does. A lot of the European managers yes, yeah. like, kind of suave. Look yeah, like, I know. Like I really, I, I love, like, there. Juve, I love the way Juve shows up to matches in matching, you know, suits and everything. Like, I think that's, very professional. I'm a big fan. So yeah, that, that's good. That's that, that is a positive for England. <laughs> if we can get if we can get more managers to dress up like Gareth Southgate and less to dress up like Jurgen Klopp, I think we're in good shape. <laughs> or uh, 
Tony Pudis. Yeah, Tony Pudis. Yes, <laughs> right, exactly. Tracksuit guy. Right. Not only <laughs> so he's doing for a jog. Tracksuit. Not even. <laughs> yes. I'm going for a run um, <laughs> with his little cap on. Um, all right. So let's move on. So we'll get to the finals in a bit. But obviously, there was another game. The, the, the semis wasn't there. The, yeah. And now Belgium was my team coming in. They were so, one of the dark horse teams for sure. Yeah, Belgium was my pick going. Well, I mean, they were my team going in. Whether or not I thought they could win, I actually didn't. And I was wrong. But I, I attributed that mostly to Roberto Martinez, but he surprised me coaching, you know, managing through the through the tournament. He actually did a good job making tactical changes and that type of thing, which was good. They just didn't they just didn't have it against France. They just didn't France was, you know, Fran I mean, they were the eventual champions for a reason. You know, Angolo Conte, I understand Modric won the you know, won the golden ball. And Conte wasn't even didn't even mention him as a finalist, but man. I mean, N'Golo Conte is, you know, one of the most impressive footballers in the world right now, for sure. I mean, just the way he can, I mean, he just, he just shuts everything down. He always, even when he makes a steal, he makes the first pass quickly and correctly. And he just, it's, you know, he's, he's something to watch. Now, most people, you know, a lot of people, it's difficult because he's not going to score goals. I mean, he's not attacking, but the things that he does are the things that, Help a team win. And yeah. He looks like he might be on the way out. Right? Yeah, like that's he, what they're they're talking about a move to like was it Real? Yeah, right. Well, I mean, everybody's linked to Real Madrid now. Right. Like <laughs> every player who had who had a better than average tournament is now linked to Real Madrid. Um, but it it will be interesting to see what happens because we're really going to enter silly season now. Now that the now that the cups <laughs> over. Yeah, it's gonna get it's gonna get crazy now that the you know Ronaldo shoe has dropped and all those dominoes will start falling. It's gonna be it's gonna it's definitely gonna be interesting. But I was you know uh, Lukaku is another one. Like he had a great group stage, and then we get to the and now uh, part of it is he the thing I will credit to Lukaku is that a, the Japan game is a great example where they had the comeback. He did a lot of things that aren't gonna show up on the score sheet. That enabled them to have that comeback. I mean, Lukaku played really well, and I also think Lukaku's play, and uh, particularly the play of Pogba, is is an indictment of the way that Jose Mourinho manages that team. Because you can see that these players can do things that they're not doing at United. But do you think now that Fred? And maybe Alexandro, because it looks like uh, Fred's going to be a big difference maker. I think. Well, I'm sad that City missed out on Fred. And who else was it you missed? Yeah, out? Jorginho too. Yeah, I mean the Jorginho. You got Mares. Come on. Right. Yeah, we got Riyad Mares. But I we I would have liked to. I mean, Fernandinho, who's who's in that position now, looked quite frankly old in the World Cup. I mean, he was slow in those last couple of games. In that last game for Brazil against. Belgium, he was slow. He was definitely a step behind, and that's why they were bringing in Fred. That's why they were bringing in Jorginho. But did now Fred that they've get any game time, no, he didn't. He got injured, right? Right, but he's younger than he's younger than Fernandinho, so that was you know sort of the the swap out. Right. Same thing with Jorginho, uh, and so you know, City not getting either one of them. But we can talk transfers later. No, no, no. Continue. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know. It, I, I was definitely sad that they missed out on Fred. I think that'll make a difference for United. But like I said, you know, the way that some of Pogba and Lukaku are the two that jumped out. I mean, not that Lukaku had a bad season for United this year, but, you know, a lot of people lamented the way Pogba was playing. And I think for most of the year, it was fairly obvious to everybody that he was just being misused. Right. And, you know, watching him play for France, he was a different player. 
All right, guys, we'll get back to that. And obviously the final. The time is 20 past six. We'll be right back. You're listening to Blokes on the Bench on 94.7 WPVC. Reach us at 284-9470 and at Facebook.com slash Blokes on the Bench. Back after this time out. All right, guys, welcome back to Blokes on the Bench. Don't forget, by the way, uh, you can call in. Uh, talk anything about the World Cup or transfers, which we'll get to in a little bit. Yeah, if you're listening, call in. Yeah, 434-284-9470. You can also hit us up on our Twitter page at BOTB Soccer and, of course, our Facebook page as well. All right, so let's get to the obvious thing about this World Cup, which was, and I mentioned this last week, uh, you know, at the start, well, it must have been in February when we were kind of, when all the you know back after Christmas, when all the fixtures had come out, right? Yep, we were talking about Russia, yes, and not necessarily the Russian team, but you know the atmosphere, the culture of the country, racism, homophobia, things yeah. like that that are prevalent, and obviously the political situation with Russia. Yeah, and I mean, from all accounts, they were in a stellar host country. I mean, you know, everybody. I, I've, I've a few, I have a few friends that went over there for various games. Everybody said they had an amazing time, and that Russia was just, you know, an, an incredible country, and they're definitely going back. So that's good. I mean, I think that's great. When we're talking about, it was a good World Cup. Obviously, I think it was. I said to some people, it's probably the most exciting World Cup that I can remember watching. I mean, I started watching the World Cup even as a U.S. fan. I mean, just the overall tournament, not okay. necessarily like, you know, the way, I mean, the United States wasn't in it, so I could just say it was lame, <laughs> but I, the, as, as if you were a neutral, I think it was all, so many of the matches were, you know, just amazing, you know, and the quality of the football, I think has improved dramatically around the globe. And, you know, people are talking about, well, why are we having all these upsets now? Why are, you know, teams like Germany struggling with teams like Sweden? And, you know, why is Spain crashing out? And I, I really think it's because football is just overall better across the globe. I mean, it just is. You know, the quality of these teams and the smaller nations has just grown tremendously. Well, look, at, look at the final. Croatia. Right, yeah, look at Croatia in the final. You know, who would have thought, I mean, Croatia is a country of like 4 million people. Now, I understand, you know, you get a generation of players or whatever, but still. Well, Belgium, what size is their country? Is yeah, it? Belgium's not a big country you either. fall asleep and drive through it and be like, oh, <laughs> That's true. Yeah, Belgium is, it's like the, uh, it's almost like the Rhode Island, the Connecticut or Rhode Island of Europe. <laughs> you know, and it, the, just the quality of the football. I mean, that match, that, that belt, my favorite match was the Belgium-Japan match. That was my favorite match of the tournament. Uh, and, you know, for Belgium to go down two goals early and come back with three goals and score in stoppage time, it was really cool. And the cool thing about it for me was at the time, we were actually moving our stuff out of our house. And I had the match on. The movers were walking in and out. And we all stopped to watch, you know, the last, like, six or seven minutes when it was tied. And we're all standing there watching it. I'm standing, you know, two movers. I don't know these guys from Adam. They just showed up at my house. And we're all standing there watching this match. And when Kevin De Bruyne got that ball and started to go, I said to them, I said, this is going to be a goal. And they were like, what? And then like 13 seconds later, you know, pass, pass, Lukaku has the dummy, shot, goal. And every, all of us were like, yeah! I mean, none of us are Belgian. <laughs> none of us are Belgian. Right. But, you know, it was just really exciting. The games were just, the vast majority of the games were really exciting. I think there was only one nil-nil in the entire tournament, I think I heard. 
hmm. or two nil nils in the entire tournament. You know, and a lot of times we talk, you know, coming in, we talk about group stages where that's not terribly uncommon to have, you know, games where, ugh, you know, when you get to that third game and teams are just, you know, waiting to go to the knockouts or whatever. But all the games were, for the most part, you know, decent football matches, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. I was I was actually watching a documentary on YouTube. Mm-hmm. As as one does, <laughs> fall down the wormhole. Yes, exactly. Videos. Yeah, you put in one search term, and then <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, an hour later, <laughs> but, it was, but it was talking about how France, or uh, uh, become a powerhouse, mainly because of immigration. Like yes. a lot of people from the, well, especially like the continent of Africa, yes. immigrate to France, mm-hmm. especially to Paris. Right, and that's where many of the players, yeah, right, on that team are French-born, French-raised. Of immigrant parents, Pogba, right, Pogba, yeah, Pogba, Mbappe. They're both born and raised in Paris, but their parents are from you know African nations. Yeah, it's interesting that you know you learn a lot. Yeah, stuff, it is. Know. Yeah, it's really cool. That's one of the, one of the things I love about the World Cup is it's one of the few times where the entire countries from all over the world get together and cultures come together right. and people. It, it's it's well, football in general. Olympics. Football in general. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm, my, yeah. my views on Liverpool are, but Mo Salah, right. the supporters were talking yeah. about, you know, the fact he's a Muslim and right. score another goal and I'll I'll become a Muslim too or whatever the <laughs> chant was. <laughs> yeah, but do you know right. what I mean? Like the, yeah. it, it bridges divides. It really does. Yeah, it really does. Which I think is so cool. And, you know, it's one of those things where you wish it would happen more often than every four years. But then maybe if it did, it might not be as special. I don't know. <laughs> what are you thinking of Qatar? Ah. It's November through December. I don't know. First of all, that's not a good look for. I'm, I mean, it's not a good look for barbecues. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you can't have your barbecue. <laughs> World Cup final barbecue on the 18th of December. Yeah. The, uh, I mean, it was inevitable because there was no way you're playing in Qatar in the summer. Like, you're just not. I mean, you, people would die. So you just. It's not a good look. Yeah, it's not a good look. You can't do that. I mean,. That, we all know now with all the FIFA stuff that's come out in the investigation and stuff, that thing was a cluster from the beginning. Yeah, I mean, this it was ill-conceived from the beginning, and the whole thing is is a mess. It'll be interesting. It'll be weird in the fall. Okay, so a quick question then. We'll get, we'll get to the finals and stuff, but there's so much yeah. to talk about. Do you trust FIFA? Uh, to do what? Just with anything <laughs> money and fairly distributing the World Cups. Um, I personally, I the thing that I think is bad about the world, the World Cup, and the world, the World Cup and the Olympics share this negative trait, where they jump from country to country, and I understand the sort of philosophy behind it, the ethos behind it, but the problem is, you know, Qatar is going to build all this infrastructure. Then what? Right. You know, I mean, you know. Uh, you can go online and from all these countries and see the pictures of the abandoned venues from the Olympics right. in Greece and Brazil. Brazil, they, have, they, have, they built one in the Amazon. That yeah. you played what one game? Yeah, one. And game. now and it's that, just a pigeon home. Right, <laughs> exactly. Like it's terrible to force these countries. And people put, dying. Yeah, I mean, oh yeah, in Qatar, you can go read about the abuse of workers and slave labor and all this other stuff. Like it's really bad. I mean, it's it's really really bad. So I, really, there's there's only. A handful of nations. I mean, I think it would be cool if they would pick one country on each continent or two countries on each continent that are capable of hosting a World Cup and just rotate through 
that. Like, you know, when in, when the World Cup comes to America, yeah, North America, yeah, in 2026, yeah, like, you know, the United States, Canada, and Mexico, like, that's cool. You know, you could do something like that in Europe because the countries there ha- already have the stadium infrastructure to handle a World Cup. I don't understand why England struggled to get the World Cup again. I mean, it's coming back to you guys quicker than it comes to us. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand, though, that from uh, trying to get more fans. Right, yeah. The league's growing. The World Cup, the yeah. viewers are growing. And there's always commercial considerations. Right. Yeah, there's definitely those considerations. But, you know, it's... I think it'll be cool when it's here. I, you know, I was thinking about it when it was announced and, you know, the age that I will be, the age that our kids will be, they'll all be able to go, they'll all be able to understand, you know, what's going on. Oh, the and, you know, it'll be, yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Don't get the salt shakers like, well, here's a defender. Yeah, the, the worst thing is I really feel like I need to start saving up for tickets now. $400, $500 or something stupid. Uh, well, they said the average price is only going to be like $80 or that's something, but I, I don't see how that's even Possible. Well, fi- tickets for the finals are astronomical. I mean, they're just oh, so the final. Yeah, the tickets for the final are always astronomical. But you know, it, it'll be cool when it's here. You know, to be able to go to matches with my kids and that type of and have that experience. I, you know, again, the World Cup is really one of the the best cultural aside from just being a sporting event. It's one of the greatest cultural carnivals. Yeah, it's like yeah, a, it is. Yeah, festivals in the entire world. So tell me that I didn't think I would feel this, but do you feel the World Cup blues? Uh, I did. You know, what was weird is after the group stage, like really it's when you get to the semifinals and there's just, you know, there's just the two matches on the one day and you're like, there, you don't have all those group stage matches. You don't have, you know, it's, I don't know if it's blues, but you do for, there's like a week there where you're like, ah, man, no football on. Right. No, there's there's nothing. There's nothing. <laughs> we got a we got a month to go. Yeah. Now, granted, I'm an I'm I'm an MLS fan, so you know, I can I can. I can uh, get rid of the withdrawal by watching MLS. I understand not everybody wants to do that. Um, but, you know, the, the leagues start up. The, the one thing that I think on the flip side is that when you have a World Cup year, now these players who made deep runs are going to get at least three weeks off, so they won't be right. around for preseason, right. for the preseason tours in the United States. Well, that's why, it? you know, that's why I didn't, you know, City City's preseason store, tour in the United States, I thought about going, but, there, you know, What's I don't want to. Yeah, what's the point? Are they playing on the East Coast, though? Uh, yeah, they're playing in Nashville, I think. Because United and then New York. play Florida, and then it's like pretty much West Coast. Yeah, I think I think City is New York, Chicago, and Nashville, I think. All right. Uh, we will get to the fixtures, by the way, because the Premier League. Oh, we got to get to the first, final. We got to get to I the final. I know, but I'm just going to put it out there. <laughs> okay. Uh, one more thing. Um, I would just want to say, this is Daniel's last show in the studio. You're moving yes, in the studio, probably, yes. You're moving. Yes, moving to, uh, just outside Charleston, South Carolina, Somerville. Okay. Yeah, closer to the beach, so man. <laughs> by the beach but you will be calling in oh yeah i'll be calling in for sure i'll call in to harass you guys tell you <laughs> tell you when you're wrong i'll call in you know what i will call in on city's big victories and, and gloat, if, if and yeah like, gloat right exactly and even if there's an upset i'll take my stick too <laughs> <laughs> all right but um yeah the premier league starts 10th of august i can't yep. wait i can't wait city arsenal Fri- uh, no, the fr- Friday. The Friday. Is oh the yeah, first the Friday is the first. United fixture, versus right. Leicester. Yeah, yeah you guys right. play. We'll get Arsenal. to the fixture. Yeah, we, we need will. To get to the final. Yeah. Um. So we talked about Russia. Um. Do you think very quickly about the Russian team? Do you think that they kind of? I mean, they got pretty deep in the tournament too. They definitely. They, they were exceeded. I was like, I was like, like yeah, the first few games, I was like, who's paying this team? The, they like, got. You know? They got the legit home country bump. 
I mean, you know, they were definitely, you could definitely tell that was factoring into the way they were playing. The way that, I forget the manager's name, was always encouraging the crowd to be louder and the players. And, you know, they definitely were feeling being the host country. And, it's, you know, they don't have an untalented team. A lot of those players are, you know, you know, they good play, players in the they league. Play domestically. Yeah, right. And they, they, you know, around, you know, in the leagues that they're in, or, you know, Cherishev, it's not like he came out of nowhere. Um, but they weren't expected to make it to the knockouts. No way. I mean, there, nobody had them going to the knockouts. All right, so let's get to the final. Yeah. I mean, going into the final, my pick, I'll just say, I was, my pick was actually Croatia 3-2. Mine would have been if Modric hadn't opened his mouth. <laughs> That's true, the jinx. Well, the funny thing is I had a friend shared a meme on Facebook that was like every every 20 years a team wins their first World Cup. It was uh, Brazil in 58. I forget who it was. It was 58, 78, France in hey, 98. 66, remember? England. Well, but they were just saying on 20-year intervals. Okay, okay, There's, okay. It's always a first-year team. So it was 58, <laughs> 78, 98. 08 or at 98 and 18 and it's supposed to be Croatia and I was like why did you just jinx Croatia like you can't put that out there before the <laughs> game is being played but the final it was a good final I mean again once again we've had finals where it's like I mean you think about the last one that was exciting you know Germany you know goes to sc- scoring the goal in in extra time and all like but that was a one nil game it wasn't exactly it was one of those tense finals where neither team it was more like neither team wanting to make a mistake and teams trying to go out and get it and once the own goal went in which is a bummer if you're that was this was a shocking stat to me that was the first own goal in the history of the world cup finals really yeah yeah that i mean i i did not mario Mandzukic is has gone down in history the only own goal in a world cup final yay i know that's not a stat you want no it's not (laughs) but once it went in that was the whole thing like all right how are they going to react? What's going to happen? And they came back fairly quickly, and Perisic got a goal, and now it was even. Then you had the handball. And we can take we can go off on a tangent a little bit on VAR. Yeah, we talked about it briefly last week, but what do you think of uh, It's tough. VAR is tough. The thing that it's, it's just, first of all, the handball rule is like i don't know if it needs to be cleaned up or just made more explicit i don't know something has to be done with it because nobody knows what the heck a handball is supposed to be but then when you read the rule like the the play today by rule is a handball um it's just a super unlucky yeah i was telling the guys this and i wanted to add a little point so it makes the goal it makes the referees lazy because they can go to some well the other thing and this is something i want to point out very quickly as well Yes, I understand the fairness of the game. Right. But football rep- football is a representation of life. Sometimes life's not fair. So, okay, so from my experience as a basketball referee, I'm not a soccer referee, but from my experience as a basketball referee. And now granted, I don't I never officiated a level that had video review. Um, but all our games were videoed and we were evaluated based on them. And I know a lot of officials in the NCAA that, you know, do video review. The one thing that you get that people will tell you they want, but once it's in practice, actually don't, Mm -hmm. is video review has a tendency to take away the referee's discretion. Everybody said, everybody will say, well, if it's a foul in the second minute, it's a foul in the 89th minute. 
but you actually most people don't actually want the game called that way they want officials to use their discretion on certain plays that maybe by rule i mean handball is a great example maybe by rule a play could be called a handball but do we really want to call that? I mean, is that really what the rule is there to so prevent? Would you agree with? Remember that whole controversy when Mark Clattenburg went on to the. I knew exactly. Yes, I do. Is I that, listened to that, that true, again. or is, he, is oh, that something no. he should have said? I mean, is that I knew exactly what he was talking about. I knew exactly what he was talking about when he said that. When he talked about, about how Chelsea, he let, yeah, how um, he let himself destruct. Chelsea Spurs. and Spurs. Uh, Chelsea and Spurs, yeah. How he, he said he just let them self-destruct. And I knew exactly what he was talking about. Because the, what you want out of the best referees is... Your, a referee's judgment is a referee's judgment. It really, you know, once you start officiating, your judgment's going to be your judgment. You can't really improve it a whole lot. But your feel for the game and managing the game is what separates good referees from great referees and great referees from world-class referees. That's why Mark Clattenburg was a world-class referee. His ability to manage the game and manage the players and the situations within the game. The problem that VAR can sometimes create is that it changes the way you need to you manage a game because a play goes on, you make a decision, now you've got someone in here telling you, you better go look at it. Well, I mean... From a basketball perspective, I say this all the time. And if we have a play and my partner comes to me and it's a ball out of bounds and they say, look, you might have missed that. I'm changing it. I don't care if I was right or wrong. I'm going to change it. Because yeah, once you, you've, you've gone from going instinctual to right, questioning that. Right, exactly. And once you've told me I need to look at it, I'm just going to assume I was incorrect. Otherwise, we create this problem. And that's what we've done with VAR is like the VAR says, hey, you need to look at this. The official who made the call goes to look at it. And then if they come back with the same call, well, then it's like, well, why did the VAR tell you to look at it if it was right? And then if you change it, you know, it's, it's, it's clunky the way that it's done. I don't, I wish it could be, there's got to be a way to make this a more streamlined process. But you're right. But the one thing I'll say is managers especially want, they moan about wanting this VAR when, fit, when it goes against them. Oh, of course. I mean, that's the only time. That every, exactly. Yeah. Every manager wants the reality is every manager wants all the calls to go their way. I don't care what they tell you. That's what they want. <laughs> so, you know, as long as VAR, as long as VAR is producing the results that benefit them, everybody loves VAR. Right. And, and, and I'm guessing it will be implemented into the Premier League. It's gonna, yeah, it's gonna have to be because it was a big deal. That's why uh, it's one of the right, reasons why the, the referees, referees weren't allowed right. to officiate in the, in, in the World Cup from England. All right, guys, the time is now 20 to 7. We'll be right back. You're listening to Blokes on the Bench on 94.7 WPVC. Reach us at 284-9470 and at facebook.com slash blokes on the bench. Back after this timeout. All right, welcome back, guys, to Blokes on the Bench. Don't forget, you can call us 434-284-9470 or hit us up on our Twitter page, BOTB Soccer. Um, so I was just talking there about uh, Lovren made a comment during the week. Yes. About how people need to lay off him because he got Liverpool to the fi- the Champions League final yeah. and uh, obviously to the World Cup final and that, that yeah. makes him one of the best defenders in the world. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's bad form in general for professional athletes to respond to quote-unquote the media or critics through the media. Like, it's just uh, nothing Modern good ever happens. But. Yeah, but I mean, it's just, even if you're right like it just doesn't look good like just play the game you know and let your let your play do the talk now Lovren did have a good world right. cup i mean he definitely right, did of course yeah he definitely did so i understand he was you know feeling himself a little bit there 
Um, but you know, he, he got a little, he may, he got a little carried away and that's what happens with players. Like I said, that's why you don't go to the media to go and talk. Cause now anytime anything happens, it's going to get, it's going to get brought up. You right. Know? I mean, the Liverpool press is going to, is going to bring it up. Talking so. about Liverpool. Yeah. We, you, we just talked about Mo Salah just a few seconds before we went back on air again yeah. about how, you know, this was meant to be the world cup that was going to have him and. Yeah. I mean, two, a tale of, you know, two players. Whose, whose fortunes went in opposite directions. Coming into the World Cup, everybody wanted to see how Mo Salah was going to do. Now, granted, he came in you know, off the injury from the Champions League final and all that stuff, but nothing. And, you know, and now it's like we haven't talked about him in forever. On the flip side, you got a player like Luka Modric who nobody coming in would have said Luka Modric is going to win the golden ball and maybe the Ballon d'Or, mm-hmm. you know. But now... I mean, it's going to be pretty there's, hard for him not to win the Ballon d'Or. There's a, there's a player that's going to face it and your mother could love. <laughs> He's going to face for radio. That's true. Come yeah. work for 94.7, Modric. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, he had an incredible... Tw- and it, chances are it's going to be hard to vote for anybody else over him. We'll see who the, the finalists are. But, I mean, it can't be Messi. It can't be Ronaldo this year. Right. So... What do you think of Messi? I still think... So here's my thing with... Is he an imposter? No. You watch Lionel Messi, he is, to me, he is just clearly the best player on the planet. I mean, you... You think that might actually be the reason he didn't perform well? Is it because everyone else in his team was not uh, up to that level? I don't know. I think that Argentina was a bit of a mess coming in, and it didn't really get any better. I don't know how you don't start Aguero in that knockout. Even for Jesus? No, Aguero. No, uh, no. Jesus is Brazil. Oh, Aguero, no, Aguero, Aguero was a Aguero oh. was a Iguain. That was it. Sorry, yeah. I got my oh yeah, no. You got to start Aguero over Iguain. I mean, and as soon as he came in, I said he's gonna score. I thought that he would score and tie the game back up, but then France got another goal. Aguero did get his goal, but it was too late. That Di Maria goal. Yeah. And I don't like Di Maria because I still have a United shirt. (laughs) Yeah, but Di Maria on the back. (laughs) (laughs) I still think the goal of the tournament was the Pavard goal when he that rocket volley. Was that? That was against. I forget who was. uh, I forget which game was that. The Argentina match. I don't remember. But man, that goal was. That was the goal of the tournament. Yeah, France to me. It was France Argentina. I think. Yes. I mean that was the goal. But back to Messi. He's. You watch him play. It is. It's remarkable to me he almost never has a an, a bad touch he almost never puts a pass out of place i mean just everything he does is just so he makes everything look so effortless that i think that's part of the reason why he gets you know some criticism uh but yeah i mean he's not going to win the ballon d'or i mean i don't think ronaldo can win and ronaldo started off with you know the hat trick and that was the end you know they they crashed out Has so there ever been a world cup apart from 86 when maradona Set the world alight that all the players or the you know supposed the top players. players have actually had. That's a good question. World Cups probably not. Is this? I don't. It's like expectation. I, well, because I remember one of my most vivid sports memories is coming into the '94 World Cup in the United States and being uh, my friend and I. We used to we'd go out on the you know go out on the playground and pretend we were Baggio. And Baggio, free kicks, you know, yeah, and taking free kicks, pretending we were Baggio, and then to watch him walk up for a PK and, and sky, sky it. it over the bar. I was stunned, even as a 13-year-old. I was like, you know, what <laughs> the heck? I, 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 I liked him, apart from the rat tail. 
Um, yeah, that was a but, thing back in 94, though. But <laughs> my nickname growing up was Roberto Baggio because I had a thing, like, when I, I was a United supporter, and, of course, Ryan Giggs was coming through, and he right. used to do the scissor kicks and the, yep. the Cruyff turn and stuff like that. Yep. So I was doing that on the pitch, and everyone would be like, would you stop that? So they nicknamed <laughs> me Baggio, Baggio, which I thought was, oh, oh, Baggio. Well, that's a, you know... A formation that I'm yeah. obviously this great player. Um, <laughs> not realizing they were doing it out of... But <laughs> two, two vivid memories I have of that World Cup. Uh, being a Republic of Ireland fan, Ray Houghton's goal against yep. Italy and that little somersault he did. And uh, Klingsman's goal, that yeah. kind of half volley or whatever it was he did, kind of spun it around. Uh, but yeah, that was that was my first kind of real World Cup because I was... 1990, I wasn't really that. Yeah, I didn't really follow it, but 94, my two were the Baggio miss of the PK and the own goal in the Columbia game against, you know, the United States. Like, that was just stunning that the U.S. would beat, you know, Columbia, not scoring, but, you know, the the, the own goal by Escobar. Um, but you, the, the this has just been, again, this has just been such a great World Cup. Like you know that that those storylines, like you're saying, the the great players coming in and then kind of performing and underperforming, and you know watching players like Kylian Mbappe step up. I mean, 19 years old and just killing the game. That man is going to get paid. But the thing <laughs> that is, man like, is going to get paid because between South Africa and Brazil World Cups, so 2010 and 2014 respectively. Like when they announced, we'll see you in four years at Russia. I was thinking, <laughs> Siberia. <laughs> yeah, nah. it's going to be a cold one. But no, it was beautiful weather, sunny. Yep. Everyone was. Out. I mean, that kind of. I know that sounds like an odd thing to complain about the weather in a game, but like, <laughs> it does add atmosphere when it's beautiful weather and like. Oh yeah, totally. Everyone's happy and smiling, you know. And yeah, I mean, it was. It was just. It was a really great World Cup. And again, you know, going back to talking about the the final. For France to take control of that game, once it goes 1-1, for France to then just sort of roll. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was impressive. And I do think that the tiredness did eventually get to Croatia. If the, Like, the Mbappe goal and the Pogba goal, those last two goals, that was... There was definitely some of that was a result of tired legs and just not having the energy to right. close them down. Right. I mean, you know, Pogba... Takes a shot, it goes off the post, comes back to him. Nobody goes out to him. Same thing with Mbappe. He's just like walking around 22 yards Every, out, roughly, and like nobody comes out. Everyone to him. on that front squad, like they're transfer. <laughs> they're oh transfer yeah, no. these are going. Whoop. So this is one of the things I think is so great about the world. There's no event like the World Cup that can instantly change the fortunes of a player. Right, but Mbappe. I mean, yeah, Mbappe. I mean, let's go. But let's go back four years to James. James, who you know was playing for Monaco, has this amazing World Cup run for Colombia. James Rodriguez. Yes, James Rodriguez gets this incredible fee to go to Real Madrid, and then <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, he went back to Bayern last year and somewhat resurrected his career. There's talk of him coming back to, but I don't think anybody's going to say he lived up to the transfer well, fee. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens again over the next four years with all I these players say, that have been so exciting. It's I will just say that fascinating to me. One of the, my, my favorite memories of the World Cup when England played Colombia was was seeing James crying in the stands when they lost. <laughs> it made my <laughs> night. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, there was a little bit of animosity there. Mbappe. <laughs> yes. 
Is he? That kid's good. Is he, what do you think? Is he, right, is, you not, see what Pele said? City were after him, right? And City's you not going to pay for him. City's you were talking about him. He's coming to City. No, City's not going to pay for Mbappe. Not at this point. Like, here's the thing. If he didn't have the World Cup that he had had. Ironically. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, then maybe City could have, but they're not. I mean, he's going to he's gonna command $300 million, I really think. He'll, he'll command he's $300 third, million. Do you think he's the first $300 million player? I think. Uh, well, I don't know if he's going to actually be worth it or not. But, I mean, the way the market is. It's only going up. Yeah, it's only I think he's going to have to be. I read a really interesting article, though, that Neymar can't get out of PSG because apparently his contract. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I don't read him. I as, really bad don't. As, as bad as he wants out, apparently it's in his contract that he can't leave except yep. by act of God. Like, if, like, the city of Paris is destroyed. Like, that's actually in his contract. There was a really interesting article from somebody who's an insider and, and knows the terms of the contract. He can't leave PSG until he plays out the entire contract. So, you know, with Ronaldo, my, my opinion is Ronaldo's gone and Mbappe comes to Madrid. I always thought that... Uh, and if not Mbappe, it'll be Hazard. I, I really was hoping that Ronaldo would come back to United. I don't think it's ever going to happen. I know some United fans that I know are... Well, I'm not going to call him delusional, but certainly, <laughs> like, they're hopeful that, you know, oh, he spoke he will, to, there's comments out there that were kind of hints that he was going to come back. And I said think he, he'll probably like Juve. I don't think he'll ever, I don't think he'll ever be back at United. I think I'm kind of glad he went to Juve because now the summer transfer, he's, you know, like next summer when he goes, oh, he's coming back to United, he'll be like, no, he's not. Yeah, that's true. That's a good deal. <laughs> that was a great deal for Juve. Right. Um, and again, like I said, now that the World Cup's over, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Mbappe. What, I mean, you know, Hazard has basically indicated he's, he's done. Yet. Yeah, I mean, he's and, done and Chelsea. Yeah, we knew Conte was out, but we knew Conte was out he in was January. <laughs> like, he was trying to get out of there in January. Like, everybody knew he wasn't going to. It was just weird to me they didn't do it before the preseason because it wasn't like they were going to hire any of the international managers that were out there. So I don't know why they waited to hire Sari, but. Uh, you know, I mean, Conte was out. He was going to be out. I think it was kind of messed up to have him come back and start preseason training. Good. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, <laughs> very froggy. In the yeah. I, I mean, that, it was kind of messed up to have him start preseason training. But, I, yeah, they'll probably lose Hazard. I, I mean, as far as, you know, City is concerned, we got Mares, which I think is a good addition. I, I would like to see us, you know, strengthen a little bit. Uh, especially, and Pep loves his midfielders, but we need another defensive midfielder f- because Gundogan and Fernandinho. We need something else. Yeah, we need. I mean, right. we definitely. I heard this bizarre rumor that Gundogan has been linked to, but again, everybody's been linked to Real Madrid. So you know that Gundogan, that Madrid was talking about Gundogan. I, I was like, I, what? I, to go back to Chelsea, though, I think out of all the teams after this World Cup, that's the team I'd be concerned about if I was a fan because, like, Hazard had a decent well, World Cup. Conte. Yeah, you know, he, if he if he gets somebody kind of coming in around the peripheral, to well, and, him out. and now Allison, the Brazilian goalkeeper who's at my Roma, has been linked to Chelsea, going to Chelsea to replace uh, Courtois because Courtois is going to Madrid. <laughs> Apparently, that's a <laughs> well, I hope so because then that will stave off all the stuff about De Gea. That's true. I can't. I again another major goalkeeping blunder right in the final Awful world cup yeah like it's been weird the goal the goalkeeping blunders have been weird in these in these big moments what, like it's one the, thing to see goalkeeping blunders on a wednesday night game in the middle of the premier league you know Stoker down the table right like but we're not, in these big moments these 
crazy goalkeeping but There's been blunders. two examples in the, this World Cup of penalties being saved by the goalkeeper going left or right, the ball comes down the middle and they kick it. Yeah, they get it, they get it with their feet. <laughs> yeah, they get it with their, yeah, feet. With their feet, yeah. Uh, anyway, listen, we do need to move on to transfers very quickly. Yep. Uh, so, Alessandro and, uh, has been linked to United. There was talk that it was an agreement with personal terms with it was Juve, but now yeah. PSG have moved in. United... I've done this before. We did this last year with a few players where, like, we get stubborn with the transfer window and with the transfer cost, and I think this is ours to lose. You know, uh, PSG aren't going to mess around. I do think there's something to be said, however, for teams like United and City um, being disciplined in their spending. I I mean... Well, United, one of the richest clubs in the world, probably arguably the richest, is working on a budget. Yeah, but I mean, I do. There is there is something to be said for that, and maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe it bodes well for the talent. You know, they think they might be bringing up. I don't know. I mean, I know in City's case, that's one of the things they've been trying to balance is bringing players in versus promoting players like Phil Foden and right. Brian Diaz and these players that were on the fringes, um, young players on the fringes that you know could really contribute to the first team. So Mara's, he's. What do you think of him? I, mean, I think that's a good. I think that's a good transfer. I mean, again, Pep loves him some midfielders. It's going to be in, the competition. Definitely can't hurt. Uh, you know, I think if you have somebody like Mares pushing somebody like Sterling, I think that's good competition. You're only going to get the best. Here's the thing: if I'm going to get the best Raheem Sterling or the best Riyad Mares, I'm okay with that. I mean, one of them has to sit. Mm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> but so I mean, on West Ham. I've done some yes, and dealing. I know. Year. I've seen that. Like West Ham's trying to win the off season. <laughs> <laughs> if we can't get medals, let's at least or trophies. Let's at least win the off season. <laughs> and I, you know, we'll see again what happens with the tra- transfer window now that the World Cup is over. I mean, teams are gonna have to scramble, and you, you know they're gonna be getting players that won't play for a couple weeks. But it's definitely gonna ramp up here. Now that everybody's done, silly time. Um, yeah. So you had one player for, who was going to City, right? That ended up not going. Yeah, Jorginho from yeah, Napoli. What do you think of that? I mean, it's messed up. Uh, the way that I think that was handled by Napoli probably wasn't um, the way that transfers are typically handled. But I mean, I mean, what are you gonna do? These teams. Yeah. I, I there's not there's not a whole lot you can do about it. Apparently, Chelsea just offered more money. And Napoli was able to strong arm that money, you know, out of Chelsea and City wasn't willing to pay more. Again, I don't have a problem with, you know, them being disciplined, but they do need to fix, they do need to strengthen that spot on the, on the field. So, I mean, I hate saying this as a United fan, but we didn't really have a show at the end of the season to kind of give City their just desserts. So yeah. I'm going to just pass it over to you and put some cotton wool in my ears and just <laughs> Let you run down. What do you think? Are you going to buy the the kit from last year and keep it, or you know what? What are your feelings on last year? Last it season. Was, even last so. season was an incredible season. I mean, of all the teams I've ever supported in my life across all the sports, I've never supported a team that played like that. I mean, they dominated the Premier League. And the thing to me that was so impressive about the way that they did it was it's really hard. And we saw it in this World Cup. It's really hard to come in game after game after game over 38 games ready to play and ready to win and willing to, you know, play 
to win those games. It's just hard to stay up like that, to stay motivated like that. Right. You know, and City was able to do that, which was impressive. I, would I like to see us uh, improve in the Champions League? Obviously. Uh, would I like to see... I the, the one regret I have... Well, it's not really a regret. I had nothing to do with it. Was, you know, Pep's team selection for that first leg against Liverpool. I don't know why he changed the lineup. And it's one of those things that's been a knock on him for a while now is that he tinkers at the wrong time, which he did. Hopefully, you know, he's learned that lesson. But I'm excited. Hey, having, you know, I understand Sané, you know, it was a bummer for Leroy Sané not to go with the German team, but he's been well-rested. Yep. And a well-rested Leroy Sané is scary for the rest of the Premier League. Yeah, and a loss to the German side. <laughs> yes, I know. Um, <laughs> who knows what they could have done if he was playing for them. Um, so... Just to let everyone know, we will, we will be off air until the Sunday starts, the 12th yeah. of August is when we're back. But that weekend, so Friday the 10th of August is when the Premier League kicks off. At 3 p.m. we have Un Manchester United versus Leicester. That should be a great game. Yep. And then, of course, Saturday... Uh, you guys don't. You guys don't play until Sunday. Sunday You're yeah. playing Arsenal at home. Uh, no, not at home. At the Emirates. At the Emirates. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I mean, again, it'll be interesting to see like who plays. The players have been like Giroud wasn't there. You know, I mean, is De Bruyne gonna? It'll be interesting to see who's playing in that first that first match. I, the three games I'm looking forward to are on Saturday at ten o'clock, Bournemouth versus Cardiff. I want to see how Cardiff do. Fulham versus Fulham. Crystal Palace. I'm excited for Fulham. And Wolves versus Everton. Wolves yeah. are the team I like. It's going to be really interesting because Fulham and Wolves, I mean, Fulham was good in the championship. I mean, and, and Wolves was really good at the beginning of the season and kind of fell off and came back and, you know, and were able to pull it out. But Fulham played some, again, Fulham played some pretty impressive uh, football. Talking about Croatians, Mitrovic there. Um, you know, and actually they get, either Fulham or Wolves will end up with, uh, the uh, player from the Ukrainian from City, mm. whose name escapes me now. Um, you know, but, but, I mean, you're excited about the new the new league coming. Oh yeah, definitely. Coming in. Oh yeah, definitely. It's gonna be it's gonna be super interesting. You know, it's gonna be, it's like every year. You know, and, and I do think we're just gonna see the top five maintain their dominance. It'll be interesting if Chelsea can crack that. Right. Yeah. Exactly. All right, guys. Uh, I was going to say, don't forget, but we, we're, we're out of time. Yeah, now, yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's seven <laughs> o'clock. Um, okay, that's it for uh, for us. We will be back in August twelfth for uh, the first looks on the bench of the new season. Have a great summer. I'm Andy. I'm Daniel. Take care, guys. You've been listening to Blokes on the Bench with your host, Andy Richardson, on 94.7 WPVC LP Charlottesville. Join us again next Sunday at 6 for another edition and feed us back at facebook.com slash blokesonthebench. 